in this episode of Ghostly Activities. It was going to be about a three-hour drive. He said I could call him Adam. (laughs) I love Dustin. He said the window was about to close. Charlie is a 30-something IT professional who works for the University of Wisconsin system in La Crosse. On December 21, 2018, he began his journey home from the main campus in Madison. Charlie had spent a week there training to install a new class scheduling software. He spent the morning with his colleagues, having some coffee and breakfast at a popular restaurant on State Street. It's now 1 p.m., He has a black Toyota Highlander loaded with Christmas presents and birthday presents for his daughter, Claire. She'll be five years old on December 23rd. Charlie never combined Christmas and Claire's birthday. That seemed to be cheating. Birthdays are always separate and their own special day. He thought it would cheapen his little girl's birthday if he and his wife combined presents. I was so excited to get her an American Girl doll. She wanted one so badly for the past year, and I drove down to Chicago to get one for her. I mean, I was already halfway there. Madison's only two and a half hours from the flagship store, and this doll was going to be for her extra special birthday. Charlie opened his mapping app and punched in his home address in La Crosse. It stated that his normal route along Interstate 90 would take more than four hours. There were three crashes reported just north of Madison in Sauk County. Those delays and the gently falling snow extended driving times. Charlie decided to take a less traveled route along Highway 14, which cuts through the Blufflands of southwest Wisconsin. This drive would take about three hours. The Highway 14 route is beautiful, even in winter. There's these sandstone and limestone bluffs that just jut up a few hundred feet. Evergreen trees line them with all the snow It looked like a winter wonderland. Charlie drove west toward Spring Green and made the turn northwest toward La Crosse. The highway has a few sharp turns along the way, but Charlie was familiar with the road. His father lives in Spring Green, and Charlie would take his family down to see him at least once a month. After my mom died, I made sure I had a great relationship with my dad. He's pretty much alone now. My older sister lives in North Carolina, and she only comes in once a year. So Kristen, my wife, and I take Claire to see him as often as we can. Charlie is now an hour into his drive. The snowfall has picked up. He's turned on his wipers to clear the big fluffy flakes and his lights so other drivers can see his SUV. The late afternoons darken quickly in winter. Soon, the sunlight will fade even more as dusk creeps in. By 5 p.m., it will be pitch black along the highway. And as Charlie drove along a stretch of road named Purple Heart Memorial Highway, something peculiar happened. I was rapping along to some hip-hop when, out of the corner of my eye, like a dark-haired kid was sitting in the passenger seat. But Charlie looked back to the front as he made the turn toward Reedstown. Something darted in front of him on the road. It was big. 
hit a buck. I didn't have time to slow down. I just remembered the deer coming through the windshield. I was thrown forward and the earth, the whole world was spinning. I, I just blacked out. Charlie doesn't remember how long he was unconscious. When he woke up, he was dangling to his right side. The seatbelt had held during the crash. The SUV came to rest, flipped up on its passenger side. The airbag looked shredded in front of him. His head hurt, he could taste blood in his mouth. He couldn't use his right arm. He only heard the sound of blood dripping and a lone tire spinning. say, hey Siri, loud enough to trigger it. I couldn't even move my arm to touch the screen. I was having a hard time breathing. In front of the SUV, cast in an eerie glow of the headlights and the gentle snowfall, someone approached. It was a young man who appeared in the passenger seat. He looked through the windshield at Charlie. He said I could call him Adam. Charlie mustered enough breath to ask Adam to let him out of his seat and call 911. But Adam shook his head no. Adam, he looked about 20. He said he couldn't touch me and the phone would never register his voice. He asked me if I'd wanted to leave with him, but I don't know how that would happen if he was going to help me out of the car. And I blacked out again. When he woke up, Adam still stood in front of the SUV but now with someone familiar to Charlie. Things were pretty blurry to me, but standing next to Adam was a woman in her early 40s. She had brown hair with a lot of gray in it, blue eyes. I remember those eyes. She wore a brown cable knit sweater, you know, like a school teacher or librarian would wear. And I recognized her. It was my mother. I named my daughter after her. She died from cancer when I was 16. Adam asked Charlie if he wanted to leave with him. Charlie's mother was smiling, but shaking her head no to him. I said I needed to go home to Claire. It's her birthday. I got the best gift for her, one she'd love. And, and then I fell unconscious again. Then something startled Charlie awake. I heard whining and a warm wet tongue was licking me. And I opened my eyes and there was this black lab in the car with me. And he was this big, happy boy wagging his tail. His old butt was wiggling around. And he had a red collar with the bone-shaped ID tag. And I recognized him too. It was my childhood dog. Dustin. I love that dog. And Charlie emphasized love as in past tense. Dustin lived a long, healthy life. When the dog was 14, he went to bed in Charlie's room a little earlier than normal and never woke up. Dustin died a year after my mother, and he passed away peacefully in his sleep. And it hurt just as bad as when mom died. Adam asked Charlie if he'd like to come with his mother and Dustin. All he had to do was say yes. 
and they could be together again. I mumbled no. I had to see Claire, see Kristen. Open presence. At this point, I was getting really, really cold. And now I couldn't feel my right arm anymore. When Charlie came to, Adam still stood in front of the SUV. With him was a group of people who looked familiar. Charlie saw his mother, Dustin, his grandparents, and other people he remembered from a family photo album. You know, whenever Adam asked me to go with him, he always had a happy, calm tone. It never seemed like a demand, that it was solely my choice. And this time, he said my window was closing. I wouldn't see my mother again for a long time. I told my mom I loved her, that I named Claire, my daughter, after her, but I had to get home. Adam, Charlie's mother, Dustin, and his other family members faded as the lights on the SUV failed. It was now dusk. Charlie could feel the snowflakes land on his face and melt, like cold tears washing down his bloodied and bruised cheeks. The pain from the accident shot through him as if someone held power lines to his body. He began to shake. He gurgled on blood, then passed out. Emergency responders have just arrived to save Charlie. A snowplow driver found the crash and called for help. I remember falling and someone caught me and it hurt like hell because they grabbed me under my arm, you know, the one with the big hole in it. A firefighter had cut Charlie's seatbelt to free him and hoisted him out of the SUV. There was no sign of danger from a fire, and the buck's body was found on the other side of the road. When the SUV hit the deer, its antlers and head went through the driver's side. It shattered the glass, and the buck's antlers shredded the airbag. As Charlie was flung forward, the antlers gouged his right cheek and slashed his forehead and right temple. Another antler pierced the area where his clavicle, shoulder blade, and upper arm met. The force of the spinning car flung the deer and windshield out and onto the highway. Charlie's seatbelt held. If it had given another inch, the antlers would have killed him. About half an hour had passed between the accident and rescue. If it took any longer, Charlie would likely have died. X-rays revealed a collapsed lung, broken ribs, and internal bleeding. Charlie spent a week in the hospital. He missed his daughter's birthday and Christmas. He was discharged just after New Year's. Luckily, and I don't know if that's a good word, <laughs> none of the presents were lost in the accident. A police officer brought the gifts home right before Christmas, and Claire got to open her doll in my hospital room a few days after that. And I was bawling the whole time. I mean, I really think I got a second chance. Charlie asked the police if they saw any footsteps in the snow or if anyone had stopped to help him. The authorities said there was no indication anyone stopped before the snowplow driver. The following summer, Charlie and his family were back on Highway 14, this time heading south to his father's home in Spring Green. A half mile before the spot of the accident, Charlie saw a roadside memorial he pulled over to get a better look at it. The memorial had a bicycle wheel with a white cross and some fresh flowers, and it was obvious someone had been keeping it clean and tending to it. 
There was a nameplate on it, and it was dedicated to Adam Belda. He was 22 years old. When I got to my dad's, I searched for his obituary, and I found Adam was a student at UW Platteville. He was studying animal science, and he was supposed to graduate the following spring, but a drunk driver hit him. And that happened about three months before my accident. This has been The Choice, based on a true story. Thank you for listening to Ghostly Activities. I'm your guide, Jacob Rice. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and tell your friends and family about it. It really helps. Take care.